Here's the thing, though, Mike. See, Freddie T is always trying to distance himself yeah, from, from the front. Yeah, he's always. I just can't believe I travel with these guys. Come on, man. I'm so evolved. I'm the OG. Be there for him. Yeah, be, be there for him, though. <laughs> I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Niggas send me cap in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. I would think that our guest needs no introduction. I'm not even gonna say our guest. Our partner today needs no introduction. Channing, you do, for sure because I feel like people are still trying to realize who you are in the whole scheme of I'm it. just a cute red dude. Because <laughs> you got new teeth. Uh, Freddie T, but man, Super Bowl champion, one of your favorite sayings is the standard is the standard. You have now become the standard, not only for African-American or black coaches or minority coaches, but for coaches, period. Um, and I was blessed to be a part of that. But more than anything, man, just as far as my football life goes. Uh, one of my closest friends that I gained from the game, uh, but also one of the best men. I know you as Mike T. The world knows you as Coach Mike Tomlin, man. Welcome to the pivot, though. Man, thanks for having me, man. All right, all right. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Why the pivot? Why the pivot? Look, see, th this is what happened when you get a real OG on. He just start asking questions. Yeah, go, yeah. Go just, ahead, you Freddie know. T. You got the shirt on. No, I just really feel like all of us at some point in our life, we're gonna have to pivot. You know, we were in a different situation. And again, we, we vowed to not expound on that. We're just gonna move forward from it. Like but that. when things wasn't right, you gotta pivot. And you know, we, we're in a good place now. So that's what it is to pivot. I like that. Simple, it's simple. No, I like that. Accept, adjust, and move forward. And move forward. And everything in life, everybody got that yeah. point when they gotta accept what's going on, adjust no what they are doing. And you got to move forward. You got to keep thriving. If, look at the last couple of years, from 2022, the pandemic. Yeah. Now we're talking about recessions. And from the pandemic, we all had to pivot. I think really the pivot it might be the best term, yeah. the term that makes the most sense in these past two years. Yeah, no doubt. So it's just a perfect, I think it's a perfect name for the show. Yeah, I think this is the closest thing that I've had to a locker room, to, to, to being with people all the time, to grinding with the same people, to having um, the actual connection to their success, right? Because you know how it is. I mean, that was, that's the great thing about yeah. a locker room is we are individuals, but group success and individual success for other people matters to you. And that's what's been dope. But we got two sayings. We always we say we're almost famous, right? Because people don't quite know who we are, but they know they need to take pictures with us. And Channing has the saying that everything always works out. Yeah. You know, he's like, you treat people yeah. good, you do right yeah. by people. You know what I'm saying? It swings around to work out in your favor. And that's what's been, you know, what we've done. And honestly, I don't know what guest or what person we've wanted to bring on this show whose name came up before yours. Like, I can't remember anybody we still have yet to do or have done that when we were putting together a list that it was like, hey, we need this person. And so for us, man, this is an honor to be in your home to get that opportunity. Man, what makes me interested? Like, seriously. Cole, Cole. Man, first of all, it's an honor to be on with y'all, man. This dude, all he got to do is call me, and the answer is yes. Right. But I appreciate what y'all are doing, obviously, beyond that. But, like, what makes me an interesting guest? Like, why are you interested 
and, and you know me. Why are you interested in doing this? One, I think the thing I've always loved about you is your ability to be authentically you. I'm asked oftentimes when you talk, is he like that? <laughs> oftentimes, right? Yeah. Like when, when yeah. you do a when you do a press conference, I'm like, yeah, that's who he is. I said, but that's who he's in control of being in that situation. I remember asking you, and it's one of my favorite conversations I had with you about like the the sayings you use. And I was like, coach, you know what I mean? Like, why you say this or why the standard is the standard or, or next to whatever, the, all these things. And you was like, because I can control whether or not these people get a window into my soul. And that was something I always loved because obviously I say what the hell I want, but it's what the hell I want. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to say something that I don't want you to know, I don't want you to feel. And like, that was something about you mm -hmm. that I loved. And to me, that's why you're not only a, a good guest, you're one of the best guests. And I think the other thing is, you live in a world where you've now become a unicorn. You work in a world yeah. where you've become a unicorn. And we were talking about it on the way because we always have conversations. And I remember when you showed up, I was like, man, this dude got a fresh edge up. He got a little baby fro. I was like, this is a real brother. I was like, this is not somebody that came through and went through the interview process. And they were like, oh, this feels familiar to me. I've heard guys talk like this all the time. He's just a little tan. Like, it wasn't that. I was like, nah, he's Dang Negro. And so like I Yeah, I was shocked they bought it. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be me. Right, right. Man, I was shocked they bought it. I'm glad they bought it. Right. But I was shocked they bought it. How does it feel, coach, going from that to truly being the standard when every hiring cycle, when it comes around, your name inevitably comes up? Right, because the, the Rooney rule comes up and people can point to Mike Tomlin and say, well, he wasn't the, the hot hire or he wasn't the, the top guy when he comes in. This is why these interviews matter. How do you feel having gone from the guy who got the job a, over a decade and a half ago to the person and the name and the example of what they point to? I don't know if I identify with the example. You know, I identify with the guy that got the job um, because I'm just committed to staying grounded and being me and um, not paying attention to the noise. Um, most of the time in the hiring cycle, man, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about coaches that I respect that, that I know are deserving of an opportunity. And so when I hear my name, I'm not thinking about the reference to me. I'm thinking about how it relates to the men that they need to be talking about, the capable dudes whose resumes speak for themselves, who for whatever reason, you know, keep coming up short um, or not getting the opportunity to show that they wanted the best 32 in the world at what they do. Because that's what we're talking about, right? right. Yeah. You talk about hip football jobs in the NFL, you're talking about some of the best 32 in the world at what you do. And I've been in coaching all my adult life. I've been in the National Football League for over 20 years. I know the coaches. And I know some of the guys being denied are in the top 32. Wow. Raheem Morris is the best coach I know and ever been around that don't have a head job. And I don't have a problem saying it. I've never had a problem saying it. I've been saying it. Um, so during those times, man, when they talked about me and they relating the Rooney Rule and things that I've done and all of that, I'm thinking about those guys, whether or not um, they're going to get an opportunity to prove what, what I know about them. 
And it's it's so funny that dynamic because you're you're an amazing football mind. Like you know ball. But do you think about that you're the standard for African American coaches, for minority coaches? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do, do you just like even how you've been criticized for not hiring enough black dudes, to be honest, I'll tell yeah. you. Like, do you think about that? Or you try to find mind like football minds, but you have the pedestal to tell them you need to hire him, 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 and him, and you can get guys' jobs. You've been criticizing past for not hiring enough black dudes. First of all, man, like, I understand criticism comes with, with being me and what I do. Regardless of black, white, or otherwise, like, when you got one of 32 jobs, there's an intensity that comes with that. There's responsibility that comes with that. I know being a black guy that there's various forms of responsibilities for me. Some of them I'm capable of meeting. Some of them maybe I'm not. Um, I'm certainly not going to satisfy everybody all the time and really don't even have a desire to. For me, I got to move in a space that I'm comfortable with. And uh, I'm going to always do that. I made that commitment to myself um, that I'm going to always do that. And as long as I'm doing that, I can deal with whatever, to be wherever it comes from. Yeah. I know my heart, I know my spirit, I know the things that are important to me. Um, I choose to fight them when I choose to fight them uh, on the platforms that I choose. Um, I don't feel a need to explain that really to, to everyone all the time. Sometimes when you get an opportunity to explain yourself, uh, I take it. Um, but I don't force it. I'm comfortable absorbing so short-term negativity sometimes um, in the effort to let things play out because I just learned to be patient um, in that way. And I just, I've watched others, man. Like Tony, Tony gave you your first chance, Tony Dungy. I got hired at 28 years old, man, by Tony Dungy. Yeah. And forget all that y'all have heard about him. Like, I work with him every day. I do this program called Man Up Pittsburgh. And he came on um, and we were sitting around chatting and they were talking about the impact that he made on me. When that dude hired me, man, I was 28 years old. Um, first opportunity in the league. My oldest child was three months old. And so, man, I'm scared to death, right? Straight up. Am I gonna be able to meet the demands of the job how am I going to balance the demands of the job with fatherhood? I just didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what the NFL looked like and how I was going to function in it. I didn't know what fatherhood looked like because I came from a broken home. And so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to navigate that. My first day on the job, we had a press conference. He said, come by his office. He had something he wanted to talk to me about after the press conference. I came by his office. I walked in his office. The lights were off, and his son Eric was sitting on the floor with like a PlayStation hooked up to his overhead. Mm -hmm. And the kid was playing video games in his office. And he apologized for it. I stepped over him, and we, <laughs> right. talked, about, we talked about whatever it is we were talking about. I really don't remember what we was talking about, because like that's my first day on the job, man. I had probably been on the job an hour. And so all this stuff running through my mind about that, I got a three-month-old, and that dude called me to his office, and I turned that corner, and that's not what I expected to see. Right. 
he showed me an image in an instant that like all the things I was worried about was manageable. You know what I mean? That dude was doing his job. That dude's little son was sitting there playing video games and he continued to show me. I was just an hour on the job and he don't realize, I just explained to him the other day, like how significant that was for me to see that and kind of put me at ease on a lot of things that was running through my mind. But dude, he continually showed me. That was just the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's how I try to get down. Um, we all talk too much. You know, I try to live it, whatever it is. And so sharp dudes can just see it because sharp dudes don't care what you say anyway. Yeah. They just watching. Right. Yeah. You know? I've been waiting 14 years for this. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I knew this was coming. 14 long years. You just talked about being patient. 2009, the Jacksonville Jaguars released me. And it was only two teams I wanted to hear from. One was the Patriots, and the other one was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why you ain't hit me up, boss? <laughs> Man, let me think what you're going to <laughs> Man, I have no idea. Yeah, no, I know. I, I know. Hey. I, I, respectfully, um, you know, at that point in my career, you know, you, you can look across the sidelines and see, and you asked us, what, why are we interested in having you on? So I'll go back to then. You can look across the sidelines and see those coaches that you respect, the, the type of energy that you brought. After all of our matchups, you would always come to the center field and find me. Good game. Absolutely. And I always respected that. Give me your best, I'm going to give you my best. Driving in today, I saw Heinz Field. I said, boy, I missed that. I don't miss the game a lot. I miss the X's and O's and the preparation part. Been on the field, eh, that comes and goes, those memories. <laughs> but that was the only stadium I can see and say, man, I miss it. So for me, uh, when I was a free agent, I would have really wanted to come here and, and play for you because I knew what you stood for. At least I thought from those short encounters, I knew what you stood for. But I think a young Mike T, the uh, one other young Mike T that we all know really well is uh, Mike Tyson. Knocking, <laughs> knocking people out at 15. Knocking people daddies out at 15. Yeah. Then the dad got to go home yeah. and deal with the kids. You got your ass knocked out. You can't, you don't even spank me no more. <laughs> but that's how you came in the game. A young coach, you know, beating all of the old guys. You know, just setting your mark. You know, what, what inspired, you know, your mindset as a coach? Like, how do you drive the culture within the locker room to keep guys going for you? What inspires me as a coach really to be blunt, my failures of, as a player, I could never live with. I wanted to be a great player, man, and I wasn't. And um, I never got over that. And I take that same energy into coaching, seriously. Um, I think that's why we all coach, man. We don't want to admit it, um, but that's we coach because we cannot play. We could never play or we could no longer play, or we couldn't play to, to our vision. Yeah, but you look at you look at your resume, right? And what you've Never done, had a losing What season. you've done with this organization. And and you know, I don't know if you can even fathom, like you mentioned, when you got hired here, you're like, why, why me? 
but one of the most, you know, traditionally one of the most successful organization in the business of football. I think that to have that honor and to be as consistent as you have been, you know, how do you stay motivated? Because y'all get paid well. You know, but what motivation? Is it the player? Is it the Lombardi trophies? I mean, what is it? Each and every year, year in, year out. The men I work with, man. Coaching is real simple to me, man. Um, you help players realize their dreams. You help them feed their families. And then in turn, you eat. Right. And so how do I stay motivated? Man, the men I'm working with change every year. And, and there's extreme urgency in the playing game, mm -hmm. right? And I just think we do a disrespect to the dudes that play when we as coaches don't share that same urgency, man. Like, when I came into it, Tony hired me at 28. I had John Lynch, yeah. Rondi Barber, Brian Kelly, Dexter Jackson, dudes like that in my meeting room. And I was the same age as those guys. Lynch was nine months older than me. And so, like, I did not want to let them dudes down. The whole nature of our relationship was my ability to help them dudes prepare and, and, and bring that daily. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I understood that. I had no resume that they could appreciate. You know what I'm saying? I had no reputation that they could appreciate. And so I came in there every day with kind of an edge of how am I going to deliver for these dudes? How am I going to deliver these dudes to a stadium, man, and how are they going to play great? Right. And I just did that so long, man, it became habit. And, and as I established a resume, I didn't change that work pattern. I didn't change that mentality. Um, because it was a new set of bodies. It's, mm -hmm. Dwight Smith need that from me. Jermaine Phillips need that from me. I go and get a D-coordinated job in Minnesota. Twan Winfield yeah. need that from me. Um, Pat and Kevin Williams need that from me. Um, and so on and so forth. I just think that I came into this thing fighting every day to prove I belong, to help them dudes eat. And so I just, that's just a mentality that endured for me. Do you still feel that way? Absolutely. You still feel like you got to prove yourself? Bro, you got championships. Man, I don't care about that. Like, Every day you walk into that, you leave this big-ass house, because we in your basement. And yep. <laughs> I ain't even been to the fourth floor yet. Hey, hey, <laughs> but hey, we, you hey, walk in. Hey, still to this day, hey, bro, man. you walk in and had to, you, hey, you think you had to prove yourself. I create comforts for my wife and kids, man. I just lay my head down here until it's time <laughs> to go to work the next damn day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um... I resist comfort. Um, I ask my guys to resist comfort, right? Guys that played for me, they can tell you one of my sayings, I got a lot of sayings, is um, don't, seek, don't seek comfort. Seeking comfort is a natural human condition, right? We all want to be comfortable. Um, I realize if you're going to have special outcomes that you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I've just trained myself over the years to resist comfort. And, and so appreciating my resume is seeking comfort. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get my ass whooped and I say, huh, but, it, but my resume is such and such. I'm still a Super Bowl champ. Yeah, uh -uh, that's seeking comfort. <laughs> yeah. Like those that love us most in our business, they do the best job of helping us seek comfort, right? 
I come into this house, man, and I lose a home game, and my mama's sitting in the kitchen, and she talking about the refs did us wrong, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Ma, get out of here with that. I don't need that. It stings my ears. I've trained myself to hate it um, because hating it keeps me upright, keeps our program upright. Um, that's just a mode of operation that I'm comfortable with. I, I can't allow myself to do that. You know, um, I think if I did, I think those that I lead would see it. And, and that's not what I'm about. Uh, that's not what I stand before the men and talk about on a daily basis. And if I talk about it, damn it, I got to live it, you know? And so uh, I'm prepared to do that every day. Mike T, you know, you, we've talked a lot about, at least thus far, about the, the coaching evolution. And I think that, you know, that's the prism in which people will view you and critique you. Uh, we've had more personal conversations and listen to you talk about the fact that, you know, that, that Dino was three months old when you got your first NFL job. That's a long time ago. Right, yeah, he's now at Boston College, yeah. uh, Masons at Columbia. You're about to be a college gymnastics dad yeah, man. too. What has been the evolution of you as a man, as, as as a father, as as a person? Because this this game grows you and gives you experiences. But to be frank, you don't get to be as successful of a football coach as you are one without stability at home. But number two, without spending a lot of time in that building, what has been your evolution as a man in balancing that to be a great coach but also be a great man away from the building? Coach, before you answer, I'm learning from here. Segway time. Happy that. Appreciate you. We just had happy dad with look, the question. Look, I'm going to try sure. something. Yeah. yeah, it's a little yeah. salsa, coach. Yeah. Hey, happy dad. Yeah. They can cheers yeah. to a championship. We can't cheers. No, nah, we can't. Yeah. Well, we I, got a, I got a college. That count for some. I know they. At college? We Jeez, just said, this guy just said the Super Bowl college. didn't count. And you're going to seek comfort but in he, what you. Y'all can swim in all that comfort, man. Mike, did he Y'all ain't no, no, not Y'all comfort, ain't coach. in this world. I got to go to work. <laughs> you still got to go to work. I'm still in You're it. still grinding. You know what I'm saying? So I want to acknowledge my hard work. Just to, he say championships. I was a part of a championship roster. Jesus I'm sorry, Christ, bro. Fred. And that's just the yes, Gator thing. Fred. I mean, you know I love You're it. seeking comfort. Seeking Swim comfort, in the Fred. comfort, man. It's okay. But I, I got to go to work. I can cherish that right now that I'm done. I'm so far removed. You got to look back and say, damn, you did all right sometimes. Yeah. You know? You know, for me, Football has always been the most black and white thing in my life. Life and manhood and all of that stuff is grayer. I've always been able to relate things through football and take it to other aspects of my life. When I was a young dude, you know, the dudes that coached me, whether it's football coaches or track coaches or whatever, them was the most stand-up dudes in my community. Some of the, the fewest stand-up yeah. dudes in my community. And so I gravitated to that. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to be a coach, you know, and I think that's kind of my life journey. You know, I've been trying to figure it out. I've been aggressive at trying to figure it out. Um, I just want to create an environment for my kids that's better than what I had. Um, I wanted to be whole. And so I'm always working at it, just like I'm working at, at ball. Um, and I ain't scared to work. Well, it's funny because it, it's crazy. You talking about you want you we want to get you on, but RC talks so glowingly about you. And now that I've been with you for a while, like I see why I see 
what it is. The Rooney Rule and all that stuff, and we're going to talk about it. But do you feel as if, as a black man, you can relate with guys better? Because I played for Nick Saban. I, I got drafted in 05. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have that connection. But how RC talks about you and talks about the Steelers back in the day and talks about that defense and just that whole organization, but you, you were the cog that made it run. Do you feel as if... <laughs> Wait, before he answers this question, right? So Mike T is older than me, but it's not a lot older than me. And by the time Mike T got to the team, right, so my last season in Pittsburgh, I click out in a meeting, mm -hmm. right? I always know where he watches film, Yeah. right? He watches film in the same spot. When we're in the meeting, he had like this little, dang, it's like a dang kitchen, and like a closet he watches film in, right? Yeah, the notepads. And yeah, he has all kind of crap, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's studying film so we can bring it to the team. So I'll get into it with C-Lake. I got Why, why, why I you play, got into it? Because I played, I, I didn't play well, and he wouldn't just come out and say it, right? Like, he just kept, <laughs> he just kept like, intimating toward it and, like, hinting to, like, the safety. Don't but two of us played a mother effer. Yeah. And the boy with the long hair actually played okay that day. It's me. Say it. Yes. And if you got a problem with me, say it's me. He don't want to say it. So in the middle of the meeting, I pack my bag up and go sit with him. Right? And I'm ready for him to bench me. I was like, say, bro, if y'all got an issue, just put me on the bench. But if he's not him, and not even based on, it's not based on his, on his color, it's not based on anything, the relationship he was able to develop, I can't go in that room and do that. Mm -hmm. Right, I gotta go downstairs and and be in the locker room and be that that guy who was at the time the captain of the defense and be that guy who just left. But because I knew I had somebody I could go sit with and be like, "Hey, coach, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how I feel." And to have him be able to talk at talk to me, smile. One, he laughed at me, right? Because it was funny. Smile and that, go back. Like, yeah, RC, yeah, RC, that funny. relatability though. Yeah. Why were you so comfortable? Going and getting that, like, why could you talk to him in that in that aspect? Mike T talked to me and tell me anything he wanted to as a coach, mm -hmm. because as my friend, he always treated me a certain way. How can I deny what I know? Yeah. Right. right. Because I put a whistle around my neck. I desire to create a culture and atmosphere where first and foremost, people can be themselves. We got a job to do. Football's our game, our business is winning. Okay? So we all know what the job is. But there's latitude to be the individuals that you are in the midst of that. And it's okay. We waste a lot of damn energy trying to be appropriate sometimes. Mm -hmm. Man, you give people latitude to be who, be their authentic selves. Like, the collective gonna come together better, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's gonna be the moments that we can sit around like this and tell a story. But like, there's gonna be so many more moments, man, where that dude gonna give of himself to the cause. This dude right here, his willingness to give of himself to our cause, I can't give him five minutes to snap every now and then. Yeah. In all likelihood, the snap is warranted in some way. Right. You know, or he's legitimately being irritated in some way that I recognize. Mm -hmm. His whole thing was, don't insult his intelligence. Yeah. But if you're going to lead men, you got to know them. Right? You got to know them. And you better know that about this dude. Shoot him straight. Don't insult his intelligence. And he'll do the rest. But, like, we make the simple complex. Right. This dude needs information. <laughs> I was probing him. 
I'd give you this story, and I'm not going to tell RC stories. I'm not going to tell I, RC stories. I, I texted him and told him no RC stories. I'm not going to tell give RC stories. Give me all stories. the RC stories you got. But, told. like, my whole thing was I'm like, man, this dude is, okay, man, this dude has forged his career, man. He's undrafted. He done, he done got himself in a couple different circumstances, man. He is on the NFL map, blah, 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 blah. And so the first time I meet him, I said, hey, man, my goal for you is to no longer be a journeyman, man. I want you, when this ball is said and done, man, I want you to connect with this experience me and you about to share. You're going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler for life. Like, the journeyman stuff is over. And every now and then, when I wanted to touch him, I'd call him a journeyman. I used to hate that joke, bro. <laughs> like, he used to be, what's up, journeyman? I was like, hey, bro, you know, stop you know playing. <laughs> but, that, but you knew, you knew. Trigger. That's the trigger. Yeah, yeah. That's the trigger. Yeah. You know, uh, I just wanted to know that I know I, I'm not going to touch it in a real way. Yeah. But let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Come on, man. Like, that dude needed a place to hang his hat, man. Right. Like, he needed a place to call home, man. Like, when it's over and it's said and done, man, like, he had been on many organizations, but what organization was he going to connect with? I wanted him to connect with the experience that we was going to share. And so I just wanted to talk openly about it. I want to talk about the elephant in the room. And now me and him could go about the business of working together, mm-hmm. chasing these W's. Yep. Right. If you're going to lead, you better have intimate relationships, or you better be open to intimate relationships like that. Right. What makes a man tick? What's his fear? What's his motivation? Right. I see you from the sideline. I see how your guys respond to you. And we spoke briefly about fatherhood, but I hear you're a great mom, respectfully. And the analogy he's is a great, motiv- he's a great motivator mom. of oh, men. Oh, Relax, okay. Chan. Let me dry this I shit. I ain't Freddie. Like, Chan you call the man a mom. Never. The man is a man. Like, he's not a mom. <laughs> see, I'm going to be patient. Yeah. I'm going to let it sort out. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I was like, okay, I'm going to see yeah, where no, this no, mom no, no, going. But, but appreciate that, Coach. Bro. My bad, Freddie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems you genuinely care about the guys, right? How can I not? But we're in a business where, guys, this is a revolving door. And it's about... I got to take care of me. And some coaches lead that way. As a matter of fact, one of my old coaches, I ain't getting into all that other stuff, but that's how he handled us down in Jacksonville. And I learned a lot when I went to New England. I went back and I said, damn, Coach Coughlin, I respect him 20 times more because I see what he was trying to do. Because Coach Belichick taught me that on the back end of my career. That guy in the middle, I needed that so I can learn how much more I needed those other guys. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you come to those places where you're like, what is this all about? Some guys don't know how to lead men. They just come in here and yeah, 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 rah, 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 just to get these checks. And, and that, that's the business. That's the way some players play. They don't care about championship. I'm going to make as much money as I can and go and take care of my people. If that's your motivation, that's, your, that's okay. That's your motivation. But some guys actually want to go and be a part of something great forever, and, yeah. and they'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. But you seem to genuinely do that, and your guys reciprocate that. You know, not all coaches have that, but you do. You're, you're, you're a psychologist, too? <laughs> like, I wish. You say you know what his buttons were. <laughs> I probably do have a talent for understanding people, but is it a talent? It's not. Like, it's listening when they talking. For real. Coaches like to think we listen. Coaches don't listen. They wait for dudes' mouths to stop moving. That's what I was just trying to say. I sensed that as a player, and I hated it. And so I just try to be what, what I wanted leading me. And so 
when dudes are talking, I listen. And, and I listen for real. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to produce action that's in alignment with what they want. But I listen. I try to keep it real simple, you know. Um, and it's difficult to do, obviously, because it's a lot of variables at play and stuff. And this is ball at its highest level and all of that and all that comes with it. Um, but it's still ball. So that's why he kills me, people kill me for catchphrases, but I'm trying to capture a thought succinctly without damn talking too much. Um, because I just hate talking, I'd rather do. And so that's why I come up with the phrase, football's our game, our business is winning. Yeah. Because I can go to that, and if I go to it enough, people know what I'm saying, and I don't have to talk all day. There's certain business-oriented things that come with what we do at this level that we all understand. And so let's not hide from it. Let's not hide behind it. There's a business component of this thing, and when we win in, the business is being handled, and when you're not, it's not. And then there's the game of football. And that's the game that we all played as young people that we all loved, and, and then we went on this football journey. And there's a component of it that, that the business can't touch the business will never touch. And um, the men that have been inside them locker rooms and stuff understand that. And so I like to acknowledge both exist. I like to fight the daily struggle of managing both components of what it is that we do. That's what um, makes you great. I hope so. It does, because you I have to micromanage so. a lot of men, a lot of kids, a lot of guys that will come in here that you're depending on to help and your team. I'm gonna cut you off because I laugh at that all the time. Manage, management, right? Like, that's what the hell we paid to do. Mm -hmm. We put together strategy relative to those that we compete against. We try to bring out the best in the collective, right? And in an effort to do so, we better manage the collective and the individuals within the collective. I love to hear coaches resist the responsibility of coaching. Mm. What'd you say, Coach? What'd you just say, Coach? I love coaches <laughs> that resist the responsibility of coaches, that talk negatively about a dude that can't learn and blah, blah. Man, if everybody could learn, we need less coaches. Yeah, that's real. right. If, if the group didn't need management, then we wouldn't make as much. Yep. I love reading draft evals and, and, and somebody's talking about anything other than pedigree talking about how poor somebody's hand usage is. Well, that's coaching. Right. Mm. I don't run away from coaching. I run to coaching. Love it. It all is in line with that not seeking comfort. Because when you're a coach that's talking about somebody can't learn, you're seeking comfort because your teaching is struggling. Yeah. Mm. Wow. To that point where you see talent and then you have you can develop talent. But then there's guys that's not gonna make it, bro. Like how long does it take you to watch a player and be like, he needs this or he is not NFL material, coach? Like, we know it's 1% of the 1%. Like, we luckily may. I, I don't luckily because everybody work hard. You know what I'm saying? But so you look at a guy and say, I can make him or it's, that's, he can't play in the league. I think that there is no cookie cutter for that, that timeline. Mm -hmm. But when you're out of time, we all know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I just go hard all day until we at that point where we know it. Mm -hmm. And when we're there, we all know it. You just never know what it is. And sometimes 
Um, the reality is it's got nothing to do with the, the person we're talking about. Sometimes it's what's going on around them. Sometimes what's going on around you buys you time. Sometimes what's going on around you chews up your time. I just think that that's why we all better come with an edge every day because that's the component of it that we don't know. I think that's what allows me to stay knuckled up, man, and going to work every day um, with the resume that you speak of. <laughs> the resume. I think the resume, speak of. the resume <laughs> yeah. that we speak of. We, hell, we, hell of a it's a hell of a resume. Yeah. And we, we talk about it. Of. But, you know, Coach, another one of your sayings, I'm going to treat everybody fair, but I'm not going to treat everybody the same. I think that goes for the way that the media or organizations or the world treats people who do what you do, who have done, who, who are doing what, what we do, right? When, when your resume says a certain thing, not only will I give you a little leeway here, but I allow you to make decisions and different actions that I won't let other people do. This offseason, Brian Flores comes out and he, he sues the NFL. And I say on TV, you'd be stupid not to hire him as a coach because he's NFL head coach capable. And if you can hire a person like that, no matter what color they are, everybody should run and jump to do it because you're getting them at a discount. That makes sense to me. If you're not going to hire him as a head coach, you're dumb not to have him on your staff. That was the, to me, that was the game part. Then the business got involved. The business got involved because it's, oh, this guy's suing the NFL. This guy's saying this about his former team. And in the end, this guy's black. And then you hire him. Now, I'd be lying if everybody who I ever talked to that know I knew you and you was my friend, why haven't you called Coach Tomlin? Why has he hired Brian Flores? I said, because that ain't my job. I said, it's also, and this is my point, it's also not his job. And meaning, it wasn't your job to hire Brian Flores because Brian Flores was capable. All 32 teams had that opportunity. What made it the right opportunity for you? Man, I had an opportunity to get a quality dude that is a more than capable coach at a discount. Like, what are we talking about? Right. It's crazy. I understand the other variables in which you speak of. Um, I guess, for me, for a period of time, I just refused to acknowledge that he wasn't going to get another opportunity. Okay. And so when the process started happening for him, he filed a lawsuit. I shot him a text, you're not alone. Holler at me if I could be of some service to you. I don't, I didn't know Flo like that. Oh, okay. I, I really didn't. I really didn't meet him until he became head coach of the Dolphins. And just, hey man, congratulations, man, all the best of what it is that you're doing. You know, I'm rooting for you other than when you stand on that other side. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. One of them. And every now and then we would talk on league related matters, man. Um, but really, no personal relationship. But I just, you know, when he filed that lawsuit, I said, man, I just, I imagine people are moving away from this dude, and I just want him to know that I'm not moving away from him. I'm not moving to him because I don't know him like that. And That's so real. I just... That's real. I shot him a text. He shot me a text in response and was thankful for it or whatever and said that we would connect on something. I said, no problem. Um... I formed the Minority Coaches Coalition with Mike Loxley. I said, Loxley Coalition, man, needs to be behind this dude um, with our resources, our legal counsel, whatever. Just, I don't know him that well, but connect with him. Let him know that we're available to him 
and leave the ball in his court. So I broke that interaction, and those guys had a conversation and uh, legal team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then when the process started running its course, he reached out to me again, and this time he talking coach-related things. I think the giant opportunity had fell through for him, and I don't know if it was – it may have been one job or maybe a job or two open left, but he just had a good feeling that he wasn't in play for him. And so he started asking me advice now. Man, I want to coach, blah, 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 blah. I said, hey, wait, whoa, 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 man. Before this thing goes any further, man, if you want to coach, like, and there are no head coaching opportunities for you, you'll need to make another phone call. Oh. I didn't initiate this relationship for that. That wasn't the spirit in which I reached out to you, but if that's where this is heading, <laughs> right. what are we talking about? Right. right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was funny. I said, hey, man, um, you know, give me 24 hours or whatever. Let me, let me kick this around a little bit. And so I go, down, I go down the hall, and I walk into Art Rooney's office. I say, Art, I'm, I've been talking to Brian Flores, man, kind of on a lot of things, you know, just staying close to him, et cetera, et cetera. But now this thing is pushed toward coaching, man. This dude want to coach football, and I want to hire him. And he was like, great. <laughs> right. Off bat. Great. That's, the, that's the extent of the conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah. I told Flo, give me 24 hours, but I think I called him back like 45 minutes later. Right. <laughs> because I didn't want to miss. Right. I didn't yeah. want to miss. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I didn't have a coordinator job available or something. I thought somebody else might have something more attractive. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to move with a certain swiftness. <laughs> Forget his title. Yeah. Right. What's on the business card? Football coach. Yeah. With us. It's not complicated, right? Yeah. Like this dude is a credible football coach. Person too. Mm -hmm. Like. And a solid dude. dude yep. Why wouldn't you? At any point throughout that process, Coach, was it part of the connection of saying, this man deserves a job and somebody needs to give it to him? Or for you, was it just purely football? He's going to be a great coach for our team. At the early stages of our interaction, I wouldn't even have thought of broaching the subject because I just thought that would have been disrespectful to his talents because I thought this dude is head coach capable and there were head jobs available. And so I won't have any conversations with this dude about being anything other than that. Okay. When the opportunities started to dry up is when the conversation changed. I think that was my general attitude. Like, no, I'm not gonna let this dude sit out. Right. No. But it didn't start with me running to offer him an assistant job because I just thought that was disrespectful to his talents with the head coaching opportunities that were available. And so it was, it had to come together. Mm. It, it's cool just to hear that you, you said that you walked down the hallway to Rooney's office. That's how it happens? That's how it happened. And that's, that's how things happen in, in, I would say in Pittsburgh because I don't think that's the same way around that's, the league. Let me know if I'm wrong. Hey man. I don't care how the other 31 are doing it. <laughs> I mean, he had to go back I and say... I hope they're back. not doing it as well. Yeah, and you he know? had to go back and save my job with art before, too, so... You can walk down <laughs> to the owner and tell him, I want this, and he'll either yay or nay. Absolutely. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Absolutely. And that makes decisions. Absolutely. That's not how it is around the league. It can't be. Uh, like I've said before, man, we, we make the simple complex in this business, don't we? Yeah. We overthink things, we insulate ourselves with infrastructure and in effort to feel good about the decisions that we make because we're scared. Right. 
I like the transparency and the clarity in which we work because more than anything, you know, it lets me know that we feel like we are capable and we are not scared. That goes to trust and transparency. You yeah, have a man. track record that, yeah, man, that like, shows that. Even when your your players buying in and, and, and willing to do whatever for you, I'm pretty sure it's the same with the ownership, the people in the front office, that you're not going to jeopardize the the organization for as successful as you guys have been. They know I'm going to give it back, bro. Right. They know I'm going to give it back. Whatever I got to give, they're going to get. Right. I don't have any problem fighting for that dude because I know he's going to fight for us. And maybe the reason he fights for us is because he knows that we're going to fight for him. But, like, that's relationships. That's life. Somebody got to be all in for everybody to be all in. And so when you're in a position of leadership, man, shouldn't you own the initial component of that? Right. I'm going to be willing to show you before I expect you to reciprocate. Right. I'm in the, in the position of leadership in the relationship. And so I just think that's, that's my mindset. Um, I'm open to intimacy, but at the same time, I realize that I'm not going to have intimate relationships with everybody. Everybody don't want intimate relationships with me. Uh, everybody not comfortable with intimate relationships with me, but everybody knows I'm open. And some people take advantage of it. And so then we end up with something that's cool, that's beyond our professional relationship, that lasts a lifetime, like me and my bro right here. Um, but it doesn't always come to that, and it doesn't have to. But as a leader, I better let it be known that I'm open. Right. Because you can't do ordinary stuff, man, and expect unique results. That don't make sense. We can't have ordinary relationships. I coach, you play. Do this. Good job. Bad job. And expect, like, the end of our journey for the confetti to be raining down on us. Mm -hmm. Nah, man, what we chasing is, is scarcity to that. Right. Like, it's scarcity to that. And so you better be willing to do unique things in order to expect unique results. And, and that's just life. And so I'm always like, as a leader, how do I wear that responsibility? How do I, how do I create that? How do I create an atmosphere where that happens? I got to be vulnerable. I got to be open. I got to be open to intimacy. I can help these dudes with every aspect of their life, football and otherwise. I got to let them see me, my successes, my failures, everything. Like, that's, that's the only way. That's what it is. That's what it is. Right. That's you, what it is. You just spoke on relationships. RC was alluding to you saved him with art. <laughs> Could you expound on hey man, what that was. Man, I done say this dude more than once. But again, he is so emotional. But like... Like a woman. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I ain't say that. You said that. <laughs> like, hey, but like, like, to me, being emotional is giving a damn. Yep. Should you have to apologize for Karen? Anytime he ever got sideways with us organizationally, is because he cared and he was just struggling to express it appropriately. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm in a meeting with some medical doctors and we was talking about him. And he walked by the room and you knew we was talking about you. And it flicked him off. And he exploded. <laughs> and he came into the room spitting unprofessional venom. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't like you. I don't trust you. Uh, you know, just 
Yeah. Working his way around the board table. Like, it never came to you, though, Coach. I know. I, I, I'd have felt better had he included me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. This I'm was like, the spleen? What was this? This was after, because I started taking care. By the way, Coach, he makes fun of me all the time all about the this. Time. He's a sickly little boy, Coach. Hey, man. He's sick. Hey, man. If he sneezes, we got to go to the hospital. Hey, man. I have things to do, Mike. I can't get hey. hey, this man's ailments. Hey, I'll never forget. One day you came by the building and when the midst of all of that stuff was going on and we were in the defensive staff room and you stopped at the door and talked to us, man, and you looked like you was about 165 pounds. I was 160 when I went to the hospital. Man, that was scary, man. Yeah. Like, that was scary. Our relationship was very good, um, period. Uh, but this was before the Super Bowls and, and different things like that when I got sick. But I wanted to go play again. I wanted to play in Denver. And I had assembled this team together. And I was like, we're about to go in this. I was like, I got it. I was like, everything that you're telling me, you just got to go tell Mike T and they're going to let me play. You know, and so we assembled this team, man. And we're sitting there. It's me, it's Yonk, my, my doctors, all of us. And we're like, we can do this. Like, we can get this done, Mike T. Like, I can go play. And, man, we like five minutes through the spill. I had 30 minutes for him. Mm -hmm. That was good. And he stops in the middle. And uh, he says something to me, man, that I always be grateful for. He was like, if you were my kid, I wouldn't even be having this conversation. The last time we was in Denver, man, this dude almost died, right? Right. No, nah, man, I got to lay my head down at night. Like, it goes back to that point. Like, how can you expect unique results, man, without unique relationships, man? It was my job to care about that dude in that moment. Correct. Even maybe more so than he cared about himself. Like, that's leadership, right? Yep. Yeah. First. Like, as a leader, I got an obligation to safeguard them to the best of my ability, okay? Secondarily, man, I embrace the missionary component of my job. And so, yeah, it's my job, but it's also my mission. And not because it's him, man. Like, it don't matter who was sitting in that chair under those variables. Like, I'm responsible for that. Like, seriously, I'm that scared of our coaching that... I can't go to Denver with his backup and get the job done? Like, nah, man, football's the ultimate team game. We preach that, right? There's a fine line between being a pro bowler and a backup. Sometimes it's just opportunity. We say all of those things, but then we get in rooms like that talking about this guy risking his life to go win a regular season football game. So we don't mean what we say, do we? So for me, I'm like, nah, man, Tyrone Carter can do it. Right. And we did. TC was nice. TC yeah. was nice. It was, was so crazy. Like, you talk about relationships. TC had a pick in the game. TC ball. He had two. Balled out. He had two. Balled out. But we, ain't, ain't that guy, right? That's true. You know what I'm saying? That's he had two right? picks. Right? Like, yep. he balled out. We won the game. He went there, got a pregame workout, <laughs> got a sweat. We got on the plane, got up out of town. Thing hey, around his neck. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. Lips was dry as hell. Oh, yeah, I'm glad yeah, he didn't let me play. TC was nice. Couldn't breathe. Cool. You mentioned about the tough guy. You've been at this thing for a minute. You've seen a lot of great players come through. Coach tremendously amongst some of the best coaches. Toughest player mm. and, and toughest coach. What mm. kept you up at night? You ain't got to say me because I'm here. But you want him to say you, though. Hey, look. <laughs> hey, man. Freddie got that big hey, smile. Hey, hey. I got to tell a Fred T story, man. Uh -oh. Just uh -oh. because we sitting around doing this. Uh -oh. The first time I was in the stadium with you, man, I'm the secondary coach of the Bucks. Already 98? I can't even remember the year. We was in a preseason game, man. Oh, no, don't tell that story. 
Man, you went 80 down the down the numbers on us. Listen. In Jacksonville. You know the thing that got me? Like, I knew you was good and all of that. I ain't tripping on that. But when he broke out, he never looked over at the pursuit. <laughs> knew he was going to rap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he went down the numbers on his 80. I'm the secondary coach. I got my backside guy on the 20 man, 21 man pursuit ankle. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. 21 men inside and in front. <laughs> you know? Man, this dude went down the numbers, man. He never. Never checked. He yeah. never looked. And so I never forgot that. <laughs> you know, you know how like you see stuff? Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's different. Special. I ain't gonna forget that. Yeah. He never looked over at pursuit. The fool was for him running. You know what I mean? And so, man. Definitely early 2000. I thought you was going to tell the Jermaine Phillips one. That boy was a hitter. Yeah. Man, yeah. he sat me down for about three weeks. Flip, flip, flip. Hey, 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 yeah. hey, man, flip. I tried to get lean and wear these small pads. Go sit down for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the rest was history. Hey, that flip. was it. He can hit. Flip was a monster. He didn't flip, mess around. Flip, all gas, no brakes. Man. Yeah. And Fred, I'm going to tell you what, though, too. You know, because I'm going to let him answer the question. When we went to every stadium, even you, as great as you were, were a nameless great face. Nameless great faces. I love it. That was yeah. the same. One of the same. Yeah. Like, we all want to make the outcome of games mystical. Mm -hmm. Because then it makes it comfortable when we lose. Right. No, it's about what wow. we do. It's about the plan we put together and, and how the men in them helmets execute that plan. For sure. And there ain't nothing mystical about it. And so when I started talking about the people on the other side and all of that, I'm seeking comfort. Mm. Toughest uh -uh. matchup? Toughest matchup? Team, yeah. Oh, my God. Divisional opponent. But there's some dogs out there, bro. What? That's why I love what this business I'm in. Right. I'm a competition junkie, man. I really, I need it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I love it. Yeah. I love being around it. I'm like MC8 and... Menace, you know what I mean? I just like to see it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I just like to be around it. That's what makes this game special, man. The will of the men. Yeah. Any like, particular matchup, coach? Get your juices flowing? No, because like we, were, it was always Ravens as a team. Oh, yeah. But you never really talked about players and coaches like that, like the people that you kind of admire or, or winning. Because it, it was respect with us and the Ravens. That's why we got up so much. Yep. It wasn't hatred. Yep. Like, I respected Ray and Ed yep. and all those guys. Yeah. Is there any coach, especially being in the game as long as, as you have been, that you're like, you know what, today I get to match my medal against this guy. Or you go in the locker room, we talk to Mika. Mika, this guy is a, this, this guy is an A player. I don't know that I'd allow myself to see current people, coaches and players that I compete against in that way. Mm -hmm. I got funny. I got funny when when we played the Redskins in a preseason game when Joe Gibbs came back. Because I grew up on Joe Gibbs. Mm -hmm. I'm a Virginia boy. And so like, I was like, mm, man, Coach Gibbs. <laughs> you know? I'm thinking about like, mm, I'm get a chance to say hello to him after the game. Right. Um, I had one of them goofy-ass moments. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's, that's really the only time that I could just allow my... When, when Joe Gibbs came back, yeah. I was like, oh, man, okay. Joe Gibbs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, being a Virginia boy, growing up in the VA in the 80s, that was a trip for me. That was cool. Right. I'm a football historian. I'm an appreciator of, 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 of the game in that way. 
And so, you know, I, I think that's the type of stuff that would move me, but you just don't have many of them opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that dude came back. I'm, shoot. MJ win the 45. Yeah, I'd have asked Tom Landry for his fedora. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, no, nah, man, I don't allow myself to view it in that. I got respect, obviously. I got respect for what men are willing to do. I appreciate the will of man more than I appreciate talent. Some of the guys that I appreciate most, y'all would probably laugh at. Like, I appreciate ordinary men with regular skill sets that play this game at a high level. Like, Man, there's big man scarcity on the planet. And so I love the 180-pound dude that plays in the National Football League. Like, he's crazy. Yeah. Right. Like, I coached Corey Ivey. Mm -hmm. Corey Ivey played. CI. CI 5'9", 182 pounds or whatever, run 4'6". Played a decade in the National Football League. Yeah. Like, them the dudes. Them the dudes. Like... There's big man scarcity on the planet. There ain't a, a bunch of 325-pound people on the planet. There's a lot of men walking around 5'9", 180, and run 4'6". Yeah. The will of that dude, like, was so evident to me. I couldn't believe that others couldn't see it. It was wild to me. And so them stories turn me on. I want to be a part of the fabric of somebody's life in that way. I want to I speak the truth when I see it. Like, that dude balling. And I don't care about what means he got here. He balling. You know what I mean? That's what makes this football world go round. Like, that's football justice. Yeah. Now, you were talking about relationships, coach, and football. I, <laughs> I used to hate football justice. We used to say that. I was like, coach, some of this shit ain't justice, coach. <laughs> like, some of this ain't right. But, you know, when I look at your career, uh, which we've talked about, you know, a ton and at length, I remember you starting every game the same way. We started every game the exact same way. Every game we'd do a certain thing at the same time, in the same place, and if I didn't do it, I couldn't go play, but I never didn't, this is a double negative, I never did not do it, so I don't know. Every game or every season we've watched you be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, your quarterback was the same person. Whether he was hurt or missed games, we always knew seven was coming back. What was it like to know? And it looked funny, and it wasn't always like the way you drew it up, but the Joker could play. What was it like coaching seven? And now that you move on and you start a new story or a new chapter in Pittsburgh, how are you focusing on doing that? First of all, the dude's talent. Ben's crazy, man. When you watch somebody do something at a certain level for so long, it messes up your perception of what, you know, what's regular and what's not. All right. The dude's arm talent was so special for so long that you, when you see special stuff every day, you get used to it. Wow. I've enjoyed that comfort. We've all enjoyed that comfort. I'm excited about being uncomfortable. Yeah, we might not have the type of quarterback play that we've had, have had. We might not have the special talent that we've had. But we got capable dudes, and we got a team. 
And so we're also not allocating the damn money that we allocated at the position in the past. And so there's a redistribution of the money. And so it better be a redistribution of the playmaking. Right. You know, I just view the challenges of what lies ahead in that way. First of all, I'm looking forward to, to the anxiety associated with that uncertainty, with having to stand and deliver, to live out what we believe in. The standard is the standard. And so, yeah, it's like McDonald's, right? You know what the number one is. Right. It don't matter where you go, what corner of the globe, a number one is a number one, and that's what I want Pittsburgh Steelers football to be. And so it doesn't matter who putting their hands underneath the center, as far as I'm concerned. But all that cool stuff being said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> scary. Yeah. Does it, but exciting. Does it matter yeah. who's catching? Because A.B. was on the show. Yeah. And he expressed that he would definitely love to return to Pittsburgh. Y'all know that ain't happening. We got to ask. Y'all know that ain't happening. Well, we got to ask. Don't tire, though. It's yeah. full circle. You oh, said it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, in terms of putting a helmet on and running out of the tunnel and playing ball and stuff like that, man, you know, he's moved on, we've moved on. Right. We could sit around and chop that up and pretend like that's a realistic conversation, but we all know that's not realistic, man. Um, what I'll say about A.B. is this, man. Man, we had nine great years. Hell yeah. I appreciate that dude in ways that I can't explain to y'all, that I won't even bother to attempt to explain to y'all because it sounds like I'm defending them in some way. And to me, from that standpoint, the nature of our relationship and what we all did together requires no defense. Correct. You could digest it however you want to digest it. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't think enough gets said about about the will of that dude, about the work ethic of that dude, about the fearlessness in which he played the game. Like, is fear ever a factor in his play? Not one time. Like, think about how many people that play the wide out position that you could say that about. Like, he wasn't a goon wide out. He wasn't 6'4", two and a quarter, man. Like, I never seen him blink on a football field. I never seen him shy away from anything that was uncomfortable on a football field. Um, I've only seen him run into burning buildings, as they say, on a football field. Like, we talk about all this other stuff, man, but we don't talk about that. Right. Unbelievable will. Unbelievable work ethic. Unbelievable belief in himself. That's what I think about, man. When I think about the nine years I spent with that dude, so funny, man. Like, I think he was the best punt returner on the planet. You know what I mean? The first time he touched the ball in an NFL football game, he ran a kickoff back. I had a ringside seat for all of that special stuff. Um, and so when people want to talk about craziness or talk about negativity as it pertains to him, I choose not to participate. I got so many other things to talk about. Right. I witnessed this dude grow and have a desire, desire to be an unbelievable dad. Man, when he was young and, and he was open and transparent with me in ways that he grew and learned not to be, <laughs> you know, he hit me up. Man, it's Easter, man. What should I do for my boy? I said, man, get that dude a suit. 
take him to church. After church, man, come around my house tomorrow about one o'clock, man, we'll have an egg hunt around this joint. Yeah. That real intimacy, man, to see that his rookie year, man, he was a, you know, a, a single dad. And so he he had little A B up here. And we go on road games, man. We all took turns like keeping little A B. And so we we go do our business. We land, you know, at Pittsburgh International after the game, man, and shoot, like he got, I'd be like, hey man, he good, man. Let him sleep. Come get him in the morning. Yep. Real dude stuff. Real dude stuff. Yeah, but he transitioned from that. Yeah, certainly. Because with success comes a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Some we deal with well, some we don't. Some he dealt with well, some, some of it he didn't. Some of it changed him in ways that, that you know, were, were not as attractive. Some ways he grew and grew in a big way. You know, he was real naive when he got here, man. Like. Like, he's not a naive dude in terms of the ways of the world and, yeah. and business and how to market it himself and, and how to make it dance now. Mm -hmm. um, he grew. We all grow. Yes. Uh, we grow in life. We grow because of a lot of things. And particularly, success, man, is, is a slippery red carpet. Yeah. And, Coach, I got to ask you, man. I'm friends with Jacoby Jones. <laughs> When you trying to trip that man on the sideline, hey. like, bro, hey. like, like hey. I ain't hey. know if everybody hey. flat out asked you, bro. Your ass hey. was, your ass was hey. right there, coach. Hey, hey, <laughs> I tell you this, I told you, Kobe, for a long period of time, I, I didn't care <laughs> whether or not the story got told. You know what I mean? Um, people that know me and know the level of respect that I have for the, for the game and the men that play it then I don't feel the need to explain it to them. And those that don't know me, I just assume they think the worst of me. I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But, man, like, heck no, man. I wasn't interested in getting run over, man. Like, it was one jumbotron in that stadium. And I like to see the contour of the coverage unit mm -hmm. and, the, and the kick return unit come together. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm routine. To be quite honest, I'm routine in a lot of stuff, but I stand on the line, I watch the ball get kicked, I make sure that we're not offsides, and then I watch the Jumbotron. Mm -hmm. And so in that instance, we were kicking left to right, and the Jumbotron was behind our kick unit. And so we kicked the ball off, and I'm looking up at the contour of the deal, and somebody falls down. And so when somebody fell down, I almost like leaned in on the jumbotron. Like, Ugh. You know what I mean? We got trouble. And then I saw a double team block. And I said, oh no. And so I'm walking at the jumbotron <laughs> like I'm like I'm, house watching TV. Like I'm watching a horror movie. Like, oh no. Oh, that's bad. Okay. What people don't talk about is the stuff that on the jumbotron is is backwards. Mm -hmm. It's flipped. And so I'm watching the Jumbotron. On the Jumbotron, it looks like he's running up the right sideline. Yeah. But actually, he's coming up our sideline. <laughs> and so I'm processing it. I'm serious. Once the ball got kicked, I'm locked in on the Jumbotron. I'm watching the structure of it break down, and it has got my attention. Yeah. And I'm looking at, oh, man, I'm walking at it, and I'm looking. And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking he's going up their sideline because the jumbotron picture is backwards. 
I didn't realize I was in danger, man, until I saw myself <laughs> on the jumbotron. <laughs> hey, dude, no joke. Yeah. Um, I saw myself <laughs> on the jumbotron. I dodged Jacoby because I saw myself. I never saw him. Yeah. I was like, oh, and he went by me. Yeah. <laughs> I saw myself as he was running down the sideline. I came into the jumbotron. But it did make him step inside, and that gave a better angle for the tackler. Certainly. Certainly. I don't deny that. It's but there's a mistake. That, that was And I paid $100,000 for that mistake. Hey. That's a big ticket. Hey, you know what, though? I paid 100 k that's, that's the way we all buy in yeah. to winning the AFC North and winning championships. Coach, I wanted to ask you about, about something that I always wondered. We had uh, one of the more legendary defensive runs in 2008. We had Mitch Berger. He would punt the ball pretty much out of bounds every time. So we never had to defend a long field anyway. And so I think they kept our yardage down. Dude, this how petty. <laughs> this how petty. This how petty our defense was. But that's why you knew we had a great defense. Man, our net punting might have been the worst in the National Football League that year. <laughs> like it was. Man, our punter blew his knee out. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so we were searching on the street. We were just doing business with Mitch Berger. Mitch was probably... <laughs> Mitch was, <laughs> you do a, you do a business with him. Yeah, we was doing business with him. <laughs> Mitch was probably, Mitch was older than me. And I was coaching the team. And I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah. Mitch was probably in his late 30s Yo. at the time. <laughs> and it was his last run. And he was comfortable saying it was his last run. At any point that we chose to stop doing business with Mitch, he was like, thank you. It was a good experience. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's just where it was. They did not mind it. They ain't mind it. The defense liked the fact that our net punting was bad wow. because they were so obsessed with their yardage mm -hmm. and their ranking and all of that. They do shank one 15 yards out of bounds. They'd be like, bet we got it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And that was just the mindset of them dudes. But I'm sorry to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, you good, Coach. So we go through that season and legitimately, man, we would walk into stadiums and I would be like, these people might not score. You know what I'm saying? Or if the game, if they, if we score seven, we could win. We get to the Super Bowl for three quarters. We are really good. In the fourth quarter, Larry Fitzgerald loses his mind. What are you thinking when Ben and Santonio get the ball back for that drive? I felt good about it until we got the holding penalty. Our ability to navigate a two-minute drill, Ben's ability the navigate that is the very best thing that he does. Mm. Like, when it's thick, he's most normal. When it's up against it, come on. That was the very best thing that he did, and, and that was one of the very best things that we collectively did. Um, but we got a holding penalty within that drive that made it first and 20. That's when I got tight. Because first and 20 in the two minute is tough. Yeah. Uh -huh. But just being in that position... I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that I was tight. I tell you, man, I needed a security blanket that day. I had my brother down there on that sideline. My brother, four years older than me, right? And like certain things you need when stuff really gets thick. I wanted my brother on the sideline in that Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I just needed that. Right. That that familiar, that that home. That's what I think about when, when Larry Fitzgerald caught that ball, man, and went down the <laughs> middle of the field on us, right? 
I was paralyzed for a split second, like, <laughs> like, like, like everybody else. Okay, but my big brother walked by me, man, and he hit me on my hip, and that woke me up. Yeah, he ain't say nothing, cause he was scared to death. Like he not in the profession of coaching. Okay, <laughs> he like a fan that you gave a cord to and put him down there on the sideline. Like he was like, wow, this, you know, <laughs> so. I wasn't looking for anything substantial from him, but his presence. Right. Because yeah. that's my big bro. That's amazing. You know, like my big bro class of 86, man, he wanted for me better than himself. My brother's original prop, right? Class of 86, he was a prop. My, pro my brother had to go to Kansas to play JC ball, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. he was a prop 48. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I came through four years later, man. I had great books because right. he saw to it. Mm -hmm. My brother always wanted better for me than he wanted for himself. And so in that moment, like, my brother needed to be there, you know? That was just part of our story. I felt he needed to be there. And so I bogarted, got him down there and all of that. But you don't know the purpose of someone's presence until you discover it. Mm. And my brother was there to hit me on my hip when Larry Fitzgerald went down the middle of that field, man, because that's really all he did. He didn't say nothing. He was just like... <laughs> I was like, hey, hey after, after they finally yeah. score, hey, you know how when your kid, when you want to build your kid back up because yeah. they've been through a lot or they, they might strike out or it's not working, he has to give us a pep talk. We are shocked, They're bro. shocked. <laughs> no, They're shocked. We go up, and he's legitimately scared. We're going to let him score again. Hey, like, hey <laughs> that's the thing. We go down the field, Tone does his thing, Ben drops the ball in the corner, in his own Tone does his thing, they still shell shot. <laughs> I'm like, hey, bro, we back up. Right. Like, up. I'm like, hey. I'm like, I'm like, get the stop. We win the game. Legendary. You're a legendary defense. Yeah, the yeah. peppers back up. Cause, up. cause their whole thing was, oh gosh, we're no longer legendary. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Larry, Larry. Stole, he stole hey, us. Stole. Like seriously, they, Larry stole I'm stole. looking at him. I'm looking at them all, and that's what it is. They like, we're not a legendary. I was like, bro. Get, look, we back up. Look, get this stop. Chan, you understand, bro. We're on the cover of ESPN the magazine hey. when the playoffs hey. Yeah, I you see it. Hey. Hey. You know the funny thing? I go to Lamar Woodley. Lamar Woodley is the youngest mm -hmm. member of the core group. And so <laughs> at that moment, he kind of was probably there better than everybody else. You know how the longer you live something, the more you got invested. You know, he was probably too young and inexperienced to be really messed up. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Wood, win this game, bro. Yeah. Win this game. And Wood, in, in the young Wood arrogance, yeah, got you, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. But you, but you, you, but why'd you go to Wood, though? That's the coaching thing. That's the, I'm that's just why, telling you. That's why the, the stories guy. I, but the stories I've heard from RC is why why wouldn't you go to RC but you went to Wood? <laughs> the youngest guy was in the best condition to absorb what I was saying. Yeah. Straight up, he was too young to understand the, probably the gravity of where we were. Yeah. Straight up, and he went out and ended the game. And you knew that. You, no, you, no, you, I, I mean, I did. did you strategically know no, that I didn't. Wood is going to... Yeah, coach. <laughs> Wood had the best look on his face. <laughs> and that's who you walked up to? Straight up. Chad, it's, a picture, <laughs> it's a video of me, like, during, like, when they show the highlights, we have the ball, and I just got my hands like this, and I'm, I'm just selfish. 
I'm not thinking that we're just going to lose. I'm thinking that we lost it. My thought was, we got us all the way here. We are up, and we blew it. That, yeah. that, that was my thought. Like, it wasn't even about the wins and the losses then. It was that, like, it's going to be on us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, our team, the way it was constructed, we scored that many points, or if we're ever up in the game, it's game. I mean, but if you look at it, the history of this organization, the steel curtain, mm-hmm. right? You guys, I, I played against that defense. I knew what you guys were about, and, and I knew what. 14 what, to 17 points was enough. What would motivate. In any circumstance. Right, so you guys, and then back at home, back in Tampa, you know, where, where it all started for you, I'm sure all of that was a lot, but I just want to say this, man, and this is it for me. The respect and, and admiration that I personally have for you. I've always been a fan. I've, I'm going to always root for you. We're always faced with certain odds, and a lot of it tend to start from the roots of things in this country with our, with our skin hue. So a lot of that is why I root for you. But more importantly, you, you've proven that you belong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to always be a fan. Uh, I, I still, I'm still waiting for that phone call. <laughs> hey, 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 keep talking. You're going to get it. Uh, <laughs> but on, the, on this show, uh, man, I, I've given a lot of people flowers, man. But, I mean, to be face-to-face and really to see how you've affected a lot of young men, uh, not just black, but across the board. You've changed a lot of lives. You've done it the right way. You don't hear any BS, you know, throughout the media, and you're cool as a fan. Like Chan yeah. said, he didn't take you for a capper. <laughs> no, no, like, no. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, that, he's more like a judo. He's more cap- like a dog. I ain't never away. heard a capper with a voice that no. deep. Deep and capper's are one step away from sorority. No, wow. Coach, and, so we're going to move some furniture around yeah, here. And and so, and and coach, if I had to let Coach know, you were not tricking anybody with that Beijing in your hair. <laughs> okay? Coach. Can I, can I get we it gonna back to you? If we're going to be real men, I'm going to let you know, Coach, that, 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 that paint. It was sharp, though. It was tight. It was, it was, it was laser. Hey, man, hey, man it, was, it was 2000s. It was and a moment you, you, in time. Peasy did that. Peasy's whole helmet, Joy Porter's whole helmet was covered in black <laughs> every time he took his helmet off. Because he had that Beijing in this shit. Coach, hey, hey, you I can't think, let him do I think Bussy is the original. Thing. Yes, sir. Bussy is the original. Bussy that, 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 found a guy. Bussy is the original. Yeah. Bussy brought Beijing to Pittsburgh. No question. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> and that's the love that they extended me, right? Yeah. When I got the job, it was like, man, welcome to Pittsburgh. Here's a barber for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that way, that's, that's the love. The laser tape. Yes, sir. Okay. That's that love. Okay. Hey, hey, Coach, really quick, man, because these, these are usually 45 to 55 minutes. It's our sweet spot with our shows. People always ask for more. They got more. And it's only because how we all feel about you. And we can do this for another two, three hours. I'm appreciative. And again, respect, admiration, just s- sincere love that I got from, from me to you. And I wanted you to know that right here. You know, yeah. and I'm gonna let him do his job because, that, you know, I, he uh, might take a little longer than me. For me, like this experience, and we talked about it upstairs, this experience has been an opportunity for people to tell their stories that we admire, that have been important to us, whether directly or indirectly. I uh, got to go to Troy's, you know, Hall of Fame induction. One day, I'm gonna get an opportunity to, to go to your, yours. I cried at Troy's, I'll cry at yours as well, because I think, you know, you showed us that 
it was about the, the whole. When, when the whole doesn't win, it's hard to be the individual piece that gets recognized for its greatness. I don't believe you have anything else to prove the rest of <laughs> your career, but you say, you say you do, you say that's the way you show up to work. I always like to let our guests in the show with leaving a thought for people to hold on to that's not necessarily our voice. This new year, this new team, the way that athletes has changed and you have adapted, now starting without Ben, this current team and going forward, who does Mike Tomlin have to be and what does he have left to prove? I need to be what, what this 2022 team needs me to be. That's leadership, right? And so, and, and it doesn't mean be unauthentic. It doesn't mean not be myself but I better be sensitive to the needs of the group and I better work to meet them. And that's what I mean when I say I better be what they need me to be. And so it's gonna be different things at different times, man, and I'm open to that. Part of coming ready, like I talk about coming ready and coming in the spirit in which I come is just that. Because I don't, day to day, I don't know what they need me to be. I better have my ear to the ground. Um, I better get a feel for it. I think that's one of the reasons why I established like the routine that I do, right? You ever notice like there's a certain point in the morning where I'm walking around on the first floor with a cup of coffee? I come in early, I get all my necessary business out of the way because I want to get a feel for the group as they come into the building. That gives me a directive in terms of what maybe I need to be for them that day. And so how the hell am I going to get a feel for that if I'm upstairs hiding behind my desk or, or something to that nature. So I, I've established little routines that provide me the information that I need to, to, to be that. I'm excited about being that. I don't know what that, what that is this year. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I promise you I'm gonna be ready. <laughs> and I ain't talking trash. I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I promise you, I'm gonna be ready. Who helps you, Coach? Who, who in those helmets? Because you can, you can be the the greatest that there is, and you're gonna get a, a jacket one day that says you are. But some of those men on the grass gotta help you do that. Who are the guys on the grass this year that's gonna that you're gonna lean on to help get this thing done? I right now a little side project that I'm on is I'm fostering the growth and development of leadership. Um, I'm. I'm bridging a, a, a transitional leadership relationship between Cam Hayward and Najee. Mm. Like, Najee is a leader. He was a born leader. He got good football morals. Um, he sees the game the way we see the game. He wants to be a part of what's right. Um, so that needs to be cultivated. That needs to be trained. Um, but really, going back in the last year, I've challenged Cam Hayward to help him grow in that way. Like, and so what does that mean? What does that look like? We give of our time and our space to that young man. Like, we're not gonna ask him to leave without teaching him how to do it, what it looks like, what it entails. And not only in our words, but in our actions. And so, Cam Hayward and myself are uh, opening up our time and our space to that dude 
we're showing him the why that we do what it is that we do. Um, that dude, a bell cow, he's going to have to be a bell cow for us. Um, if this train going anywhere in 2022, he's going to be a major component of it, and he's capable. I ain't even talking about from a talent standpoint. We know that. I'm talking about he's capable from an intangible standpoint, uh, bringing the best out in his teammates, wearing the responsibility that comes with leading. He's just young. And so it's been a fun project. Like last year at the holidays, we sitting around before practice one day, sitting out on the patio, and I'm messing with him. It's probably December 21st or something like that. And I'm like, I bet you if I went to your house right now, you don't have one ornament up. <laughs> you wouldn't know what month it is at your house. You got no tree. You got nothing under the tree. You got nothing. He said, you right. <laughs> I, said, I said, head, this dude, man, teach this, teach this caveman how to live, man. Um, you know, just, man, you got to live a whole life, man. This ball, we in tight ball right now. We trying to get in the tournament. But it's December 21st, man. Like, it is Christmas. Right. Like, Cam Haywood had a Christmas tree delivered to his house wow. that night. And ornaments and all of that stuff. And, and to me, like, and so we laughed about it the next day. We talked. He's like, man, the dude delivered a tree to my house. But, like, they got nothing to do with football, right? But we just want him to know that we need certain things from him in a football way. And so we're going to help him with the other aspects of his life because I can't run the ball and neither can Cam Haywood. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we got, we got that other stuff. We can help you with that other stuff. Um, that's what I'm excited about. That's a snapshot of kind of what I'm excited about. And so the answer is, yeah, there's going to be some new leadership here. Um, some of them you can anticipate like him. Um, but make no mistake, we're not sitting around hoping any of it happens. We're thoughtfully constructing it. You recognize your greatness? It's crazy, right? What? Do you recognize <laughs> your greatness? That don't help me be great, <laughs> you know? But, it um, got, it, it, but what you do and how you talk and your interaction... You coach, you can't you cannot recognize your greatness. I like, resist it. Why? Because it don't help me. It don't help me meet today's challenges. How does it help me meet today's challenges? To know that what you've done in the past, you move, you can move forward with it. I ain't seeking that comfort. <laughs> he not gonna change, bro. I ain't seeking. No, I know what you mean, bro. Like, this, and he tells like, these stories, and it's just so like with Cam's story. I'm like, bro, that's greatness, like. You relate with men and you can motivate dudes. Bro, recognize your greatness, bro. Hey, man. Do I need to recognize it? Yes. I want, I want Art to recognize it, man, so he pays me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, and he does. Get and he check. does. And he pays me appropriately. <laughs> we got a great relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's an yeah. honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Yeah. Um, the story of the game of football is about the men that play. It is. And I always felt that. Um, I felt that when I played. I'm like, Coach, whatever, man. Get out of the way, man. We got this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why am I going to view it differently because I coach now? Yeah. Like, nah, man. The players are the product. We're the source. We, we, we cultivate that talent. We, we, we elevate that talent. We provide the stage for that talent to show itself. And them dudes go out there and do that. 
and together, man, our families eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd have been a Hall of Fame if I played for you, Coach. God damn. <laughs> I, I, played yeah. Cam, I played for Cam Cameron. They <laughs> <laughs> do. They do. They do. They do. Hey, I, 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 lost, I lost out on that Dolphin job to Cam Cameron. <laughs> yeah, because you were too hip-hop. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I hear. That's you what said I hear. something. You said That's something I that I think um, that I that I can end with and, and do my job well. Um, the story of football will be told through the people that play, but the story of the Pittsburgh Steelers will be told about Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, uh, and now Mike Tomlin. And it can't be told without those three names, and for sure not without yours. Um, the story of football, in the end, for the people who don't get to see generations and generations, will be told in Canton. And if that story isn't told with Mike Tomlin being a part of it, then the whole thing is bullshit. And so thank you for being a part of the pivot. This is, without a doubt, uh, one of my greatest media honors for sure, man. And I love you. And that's never going to change. Appreciate I love you, you my brother. Boy. Yes, sir. <clears throat> we got to find something for our production team. <laughs> this is the long one. Hold up. Limitless. Take a sim and cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a sim and cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up.